Soxy, Soxy. Good morning, Tam Tam. Because we had such an amazing response to the last episode with Ian Harding from PLL, Ooh. we are going to do it again. It's another PLL reunion, isn't yeah. it? We're going to pop out Cherry for the third time, which <laughs> I didn't know you could do. Sew it back up, pop it again. Sew it back up, <laughs> pop it again. We actually have one of my favorite people who kind of started the whole Pretty Little Liars journey. We started together, mm. Keegan Keegan Allen. Hello, everybody. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I feel like I kidnapped you just slightly. You're just like, what is this? What am I doing? It's Why am I coming here? Voluntary kidnap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, um, we're we not going to let you go. We're going to keep you for at least an extra 20 minutes. At least an extra So settle in. So Love settle it. in. Settle in. Um, so I, so knowing that you were coming in, I really reminisced about how past together and it was about seven to eight years ago. I remember we sort of started this journey, our characters started this journey together. And do you remember, um, the, the one time and you're laughing cause I know you do. And you were like, Oh, it's so exciting to be here. I'm so excited. And I was like, give it time. You'll get over it. <laughs> You're so cynical. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. I do remember that. Actually, one of the first times I ever professionally stood on a soundstage uh. was with Tamman. And I remember that moment. I think I'll remember to the day so I die. Sorry. That I, I was like this, you know, green actor just starting out in the business. And I was so excited. He was excited. so excited. And Aww. we're doing this take and we're walking down the, the in high school and people, yeah. there's a hundred extras. And I'm like, oh my God. We're on the call sheet. We're working actors. Yeah. I'm like, this is so exciting. And they're like, back to one. And I'm like, back to one. This is the keep best thing all. in the world. I keep going. And you were just like so jaded already. <laughs> I wasn't. You're just like, give it time. Give it time. <laughs> give it time. And then I remember Whip Pan to like the seventh season. And I, <laughs> you were just sitting there. And you looked at me and you're like, I'm jaded. Can we just go the fuck home? And I was like, see, I told you. you're gonna. It's going to catch up to you. Well, you know, it never really does. It, even though, even though there were times that I, I, you know, you're you're tired and it's late on set. It's still there's still a magic of mm. of being able to work and and play pretend and definitely and be in that world. Mm -hmm. I I always enjoy it, even though there are sometimes those long hours. Yeah, and sometimes I think that because you know the show's over now and we're we're not on set every day. Um, you don't really realize how lucky you were and how grateful you should have been until you don't have something, mm. you know? And I feel like all of us in a way are like, oh shit, you know, we want that next job. We want the next, even, not even the next pilot, the next pilot that goes and does so well because it was really lightning in a bottle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it, there's, I've had a lot of time to kind of uh, un, like try, try to, I guess, digest Pretty Little Liars in totality. And now that, you know, I'm in my 30s and, uh, you know, so much has happened. It happened so quickly. It was one of these cult mm -hmm. classic shows in which even now that it's off the air, people will still come up to me and be like, oh my God, I loved, you know, the character. I loved the show and let, let's talk about it. And it's such an, an interesting thing because it is, it is so far away mm -hmm. yet it, um, it really was a quick straight to the top kind of mm -hmm. quick teen choice awards, critics choice awards, mm -hmm. showing up to events, premieres and, uh, and just like brand deals and endorsements and mm -hmm. so such a huge, vast, deep career so quickly. Mm -hmm. And um, when all of that kind of immediately tapered, it, it was a great thing for me because I was I went into a self journey that I needed to 
take in my early 20s and I didn't. Um, but it really, it really like put a lot into perspective. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned like a quick rise to fame with the show and everything. Were you sort of prepared for that? Like for Mm -hmm. all the, the trappings of like being a young celebrity and like people coming up to you and recognizing you, was that something you were ready for? I don't think anybody's ever really ready for anything like that. And we see in pop culture all the time, people, you know, that I won't even name names. Everybody just knows anybody that I'm talking about. There's so much, uh, there's so many examples of this throughout history of people that were were consistently fed that fame Mm -hmm. uh, and never really able to digest it, never really able to take the time to understand what it was and what kind of convergence it was of all of these people, these fans, the paparazzi, the TMZ, all of the the things that that feed other people with fame, and uh, if you're the source of it or the root of it, uh, or you're on a show that's the source of it or the root of it, um, I don't think you're ever ready for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can. There's so. There's also a lot of friends that I've had that think that they're going to get on a show and they get on a show or they get a pilot and it doesn't go, and they're but they're ready. And then that fire burns away. I think, mm-hmm. I don't think of I don't think any of us were ready for what it became. Mm-hmm. Um, even though maybe some of us were, were more prepared. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the better way to say it. I was very prepared for it. Mm-hmm. I felt prepared. I had done a lot of, uh, I'd done schooling. I had done a lot of work. Um, but I don't think I was ready for, for yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You know? I think, I don't really think fame is that healthy for a person. Oh, I think, especially, not. especially <laughs> when you're in those even formative years, but even like your adolescence in some way, your early 20s, because you feel like the world needs to, like, owes you something mm-hmm. and is opened up to you in a way that isn't opened up to anyone else. And I realized I started this business when I was 15 years old. So I don't really follow the rules because when you're famous, there are no rules. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you you show up and they say, don't worry, it says no parking, park here. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, like you can eat this even though it's not, you know, on the menu, we'll make something special. So you're giving, given so much special treatment mm-hmm. that you feel like in your life that is how the world really works. Mm-hmm. And it can really fuck you up mentally about, you know, uh, uh, following along guidelines in a way. Yeah. What do you do when it ends too? Like, is it something that, I mean, is it like a shock when it ends and all of a sudden it's not like, you know, you're not getting maybe as much preferential treatment and things like that. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I don't think it ever, it, it ever really ends. I think what it is, is that it, it's an ebb and flow. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you do a project and then it's, it's, it starts back, the beast starts back up again. Um, and then it goes dormant for a while. I, I don't, I never really noticed any kind of ending to anything. I think the, the only thing that I have noticed is that, um, I have more time for myself in the last year. Um, and I took that time to, you know, really do a huge journey into ego and understanding ego. And, you know, we were talking about this before we were recording. I think I can kind of bring it up just, just in a, in the brevity of a sentence and not get too deep into it. But that's why, you know, it's, you walk a fine line as a celebrity or as even a person in a public eye to give your opinions when you, when they come from a place of entitlement, uh, it's very difficult to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm whether that's in a political forum or in a forum in which you have no uh, social standing and you're trying to help out. Um, like it's very difficult uh, to, to come out and say things sometimes uh, because you're, you're, you're not taken seriously or people can see through that and see the privilege, see the entitlement. 
And uh, I'm not saying to not stand up for the things that you believe in and have passions for and, and willingness to change. I, but I am saying if it comes from a place of genuine authenticity, your authentic self, you're invoking your inner counselor, you believe in what you're saying to uh, with a passion, then absolutely stand up for it. Mm -hmm. But be careful how you do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So um, to, to come back to, to your question, um, I guess when it ends is, is then it, for, for me, it was it was going into myself, like going inside uh, and recognizing ego and how much, um, you know, meditation, sleep, drinking water, like don't ever really, have yeah. Yeah, don't, have never. don't throw them in Do the mix. Those three things ever again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like, here's the other thing too, is like, even talking about this right now, I'm, I feel like my ego is getting like bigger because I'm like, I know something that others don't, but it really is. Um, I, everybody knows this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, it, and I do sometimes find that, um, you know, if you do a deep dive into, uh, public figures that you really respect, mm. you, you'll start to notice that, you know, that the age of recklessness is kind of, is kind of over. There is a lot of reckless behavior in celebrity culture, mm. but like, I, you don't respect those people anymore. And like, if you, if you do, like, you need to reevaluate your icons and legends, mm -hmm. you know, when you finished the show, did you did you feel a sense of loss or depression? Hmm. No, I, uh, but I did, I, there was, no, it wasn't loss. It's like, I, I think I said this before, but um, it's like reading a book and you finish a great chapter and then you go to the next chapter. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no like, oh man, I can't, I'm so bummed that that chapter ended. It's more like, I'm so glad I read that chapter. What an amazing chapter in the book. That's perspective though. And that's having gratitude because I don't mm -hmm. think a lot of people feel that way. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, being able to be on set and surrounded by your extended family almost. Mm -hmm. And then you, you know, in your heart, because that's the nature of this business, you know, that you never will see them in that capacity ever again, Yeah, yeah. you know, and that's this, that sense of like, your the chapter is ended and it will never open up again and those memories are in the memory bank yeah yeah so it's the movie comes out right. yeah right come Everyone's on you guys we're like, what the beans. we're like what movie <laughs> yeah no but there was there was a lot of equity in that exchange at the end especially and with um yeah the, being there on the last day on set it was very very hard i mean i remember ian uh and Ian's, you know, Ian's a funny guy. I, I, we were talking about this before. Ian will make you laugh till you cry. He yeah. just comes up with crazy oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but I remember Ian came up to my dressing room the day, uh, the ending, the day, last day that we were shooting. And he came up into my dressing room and he just sat there and he just cried. Ugh. And then I started crying. And we both just sat in, <laughs> in my dressing room and cried. And, and seeing someone that, you know, rarely ever showed vulnerable emotion in a in a private way. Mm -hmm. Of course, an amazing actor. He's he's so love lovable. I have such an adoration for Ian and how fun and charming he is. Um, but he but to share that kind of moment it, like that that's the kind of stuff where you experience after seven. You see, ten years of being around somebody and seeing something end. And to me, that was, that wasn't lost. That was just gratitude, you know?
I believe he said you guys were doing a night shoot and then you right. guys you got were dressed and you got drunk. You got That's you right. had three martinis. But he said you only had two lines or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. You only had two lines, but you came back drunk as skunks on set. He's I don't remember. Like, ah! oh, 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 Wait, wait. No, I think I do remember something uh, along these lines. Uh, it was maybe the Smokehouse era. Yes. Right. Yes. That's right. Yeah. So now I don't condone ever doing that. Uh, it was a big party scene, I believe. I, I do remember what happened. You we were didn't, method acting. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't go. We were not... Um, I just want to make sure that I preface this well, correctly. He told a lot he of stories. He was Martinis. not holding back. Like this wasn't this wasn't us being like let's go get let's go dip and get drunk. It was more of like let's go across the street to the smokehouse and grab some food. Mm-hmm. And while we were th- we were doing that those big party scenes p- right. for people Take that don't forever. understand, mm-hmm. you know, it's not only is it like it's not like central on one character. There's like, you know, a hundred extras. You're, you're an, you're an actor, a professional actor, but the camera is doing, you know, it's on a super techno crane. It's getting like a bunch of shots and like, you're not, it's not like a scene. I'm trying to make excuses for the fact that we ended up going to, (laughs) well, what happened was we went over to Smokehouse. He told the story, but we, we just started having, we were, there was a live jazz band. We felt very old Hollywood, it was it was in the spirit of that old Hollywood. And you had no lines, he said. We had no lines. We no, we had no lines. We we had already shot all. We had shot out all of the scenes. He doesn't care. He's like, I remember this is what happened. I remember what it was, and we were in our suits. And you know, wardrobe is one always like. If you guys go out and eat, make sure, <laughs> sure. you t- make sure you take off the suits. So we had like just our vests on with our. Nice. Like it was like a very cocktail mm-hmm. feeling. We were in it's old Hollywood. Acting. It was right. so a la Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really fun. And like I'm not I'm not a drinker, but I I uh, I, I it it, yeah. it it came it came on uh, very fast. Uh, that old Hollywood uh, jive jive that he had. With so let's me. go back a little bit to your early Keegan. Uh, upbringing days mm-hmm. so you're actually from california which is i'm from australia so it's very uh it's not common that i meet a lot of people that were born and raised in california mm-hmm. so what was it like being raised in california to two artist parents your parents are both artists correct yeah i just i know all of los angeles because growing up here you, you like kind of have a different mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. with it you're you're a you're a single blood cell running through veins that you know very well at this point. Um, but uh, I, I enjoyed it very much. My parents instilled in me creativity and, and creativity is very difficult to explain sometimes. It's something that mm-hmm. most artists never talk about this stuff. And it really, f- it frustrates me. And my parents were very adamant about success and failure and understanding that creativity is an ebb and a flow. And sometimes uh, everybody has fears. Every artist has fears. We all like, and if they say, Oh, I'm not scared. Like they're lying. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the fears can be as small as, you know, a, a little tiny thing. And sometimes it can be as big as a Kraken. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it could be nervousness, anxiety. We all have those things and creativity in that ebb and flow sometimes comes and sometimes it's not there and it's okay. It's okay to go through that as an artist, as someone who creates, and so that kind of structure growing up was really helpful in uh, not only like, you know, alleviating a lot of stress of being an artist and being a creative sp- in the creative spirit, but also to give me the avenues to create, whether that was photography or music or acting or writing or whatever it was. So um, really wonderful. My father was like very thespian, very into, he's very hammy. 
too. Very, very much like <laughs> into Shakespeare and stuff. And my mom is is a is a painter. Um, she does like watercolors and mm-hmm. very, very um, like um, rapidograph, like very, uh, very technical um, painting. And she's very, she's very, very talented. So. so, you know, we hear a lot of stories, especially from kids that grow up in Los Angeles mm. about falling into sort of the pitfalls of the city, you know, mm. the Hollywood life and like this. And that. How did you manage to not fall into that and just, you know, walk like a straight line? Well, so I did fall into it. I mean, it's it's a deep pit and it pulls very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for like the the beginning of my years living here, I was. I was very content with just skateboarding around. I didn't understand like why people owned homes. I didn't understand why people paid rent. Why do I just, you shower? Or, or like <laughs> spent a hundred dollars on dinner. Like I never understood that. Like for a big group of people, not mm. on yourself. That's crazy. Um, but I feel like it was, it was interesting to live within Hollywood and see not just the the thin veneer of which it's the glamour and it's the it's the it's the dream it's mm-hmm. the drive of the town mm-hmm. to be seen and the vanity of the city whether it's the lowest points of like transient life or the highest points and glamour of living in the hills and being you know an executive um in between there i was bouncing off all of those walls and i was very interested in that mm-hmm. uh and that's why i i wrote the, my book hollywood and i also like photographed hollywood from a very intimate standpoint because i did i was fascinated by a, a town that was also an idea mm-hmm. that people would come here and you know from australia from the midwest from other countries from from all over and and seemed to think that they were they were just going to make, make it, make mm-hmm. it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is making it? What it's does that American really mean? Dream, right? It's the American and dream. And no one even knows what the American dream is. No one knows. And everyone's fighting for it. And everyone mm-hmm. wants this white picket fence, right. but it's like the darker side of the white picket fence. Correct. And yet everyone feels quite claustrophobic here. Yeah. And they want to like escape, but they can't because this is where their dreams are meant to be made. Right. You know? And, 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 and there's, and there's a lot to be said about the fact that, you know, I did all of the actor, like the beginning actor things like mm-hmm. I worked at a restaurant. I, you know, I, I washed cars. I was a valet. I, I worked at the Beverly Hills hotel. I worked at, um, the standard. I, mm-hmm. you know, I had a crazy Harvey Weinstein experience. Oh, what was that? Yeah. yeah. You, I, you know, I, talk, please, I actually talked to Ronan please tell Farrow. I, I, I talked to Ronan Farrow about this recently. Oh. Um, I reached out to him about it cause I read his book, uh, Catch and Kill, it's incredible, by the way, if you, mm-hmm. you read it. it. It's 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 incredible. It's also terrifying. And that predators like that exist scare me so bad. Mm-hmm. And um, In a position of power as well. In a position of power and just the worst, scariest thing ever imaginable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was working at the Standard, the standard um, when I was about... You know what's funny, too, is like even telling the story now, how much... People, people don't understand that aren't in Hollywood, how much power Harvey Weinstein had over right. people that even me sharing the story now is scary to speak out because there's a fear that like he still you. might, he Try still might you. get, yeah. get you for it. Mm-hmm. He still might come and shiv you in the night. Right. 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 So, but, um, I was working in the standard. I was like, I was really young. Uh, I was a maitre d' at mm-hmm. the, the 24 hour diner. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the standard on sunset. And uh, I love that place. And um, I was standing in the front and I had the, the hostess that was with me. Um, she was, uh, we, we, we were wearing, you know, just like, 
basic the the, the uniform was like she was wearing like a, a white skirt mm-hmm. and a blue shirt a very tight blue shirt and i was wearing white khakis with a tight blue shirt as well um and the reason they had that is because at the time you could be a pool mater d or you could be inside mm-hmm. so th- just that plays in the story um it was like pretty late i was doing the graveyard shift and uh I was standing there and this guy comes in i didn't know anything about him okay i just just this big hulking male um figure walked by me and he had very beautiful women with them in sparkly sequin dresses and and he walked by and he grabbed the hostess's ass as he walked by and he he went like grabbed her ass and then pointed at the back table and he said thanks and he just walked by and I went oh. into a rage. Like, I was like, who the fuck does this guy yeah. think he is? Like, right. I was just, and I was in that young buck mentality of like, because uh-huh. I was friends with her. I knew her at this point. We worked, you work enough graveyard shifts with someone. You're <laughs> Did like, she know him? there's a camaraderie. No. Okay. And she just like, t- like tensed. was just like oh. tensed up. And I went, I was ready to move. Mm-hmm. I was okay. moving. And he was sitting in the, and he was like moving to the back. He was like moving through the, you know, it's a lin- it's a linear struct um, just a topography of that. Mm-hmm. So it's just a walkthrough, and that was back when there was a purple room. People that are in Hollywood know what the purple room is. I don't know what the purple room purple is, lounge. Means- Ooh, purple. It, it doesn't exist anymore, but okay. it used to be this like uh, naughty. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I never really was able to go. Like that. <laughs> yeah, he's like everyone um, knows, but I've never been in there. But there was a line, so mm-hmm. he got through the line. So I was going to go and confront him. I was going to go actually like in my in my heroic mentality. I was like, I'm going to go grab this motherfucker by the collar and throw him out in the street. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, I'm I'm not going to put up with this shit because I've done. I would like, you know, I would yeah. regulate. I was like, I was in that young mindset. <laughs> yeah. I start walking and my the man, the MOD, the manager on duty at the time, mm-hmm. she grabs me by the back of the collar. Where so I was like, what the what's going on? And she goes, you do not. What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm gonna go kick that motherfucker out. I said that, <laughs> like, I was very upset. And she's like, no, you're you're not to you're not to do anything. That's do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? And I'm like, yeah, I don't care who it is. She, I'm like, who is he? Is he like run the hotel or something? She's like, no, that is Harvey Weinstein, and you will not approach that table, or you will be fired. And I was like fuck all right well i don't care who he is but like mm. what is that what he like grabbed her ass like he's that was like flagrantly inappropriate yeah. and like he shouldn't be i don't want him in here i don't want like and she's like i don't care what you want that's harvey weinstein like, he comes in here sometimes and like there's no way and it was like 2 30 in the morning it was like crazy because all the bars were yeah. she's like get back to the front I, we're done with this conversation and that was it it never was brought up again and I'm not trying to like come for the standard at this point. I love the standard hotel. Mm-hmm. I love uh, Andre Belage's property. I believe it's the Andre Belage property. Mm-hmm. I, I have no problem with it. I was a box boy at one point. I was very into the voyeurism. <laughs> I was into exhibitionism. I'm not against the standard and yeah. the, the practices because they were just as they fell victim yeah. to yeah. all of the power right. scare that yeah. everybody felt in Hollywood. It was very, it was a monumental shift that just happened. Yeah. And, um, like going through that personally and seeing that at a very young age before I was ever even an actor I would go to like I was I was at at the time at um at acting school Mm -hmm. and conservatory and uh and seeing that 
and knowing and like being like, oh shit, this is someone that controls everything. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, I don't feel good about that, but I didn't know what to do as like a, a young male in the business. What am I, what am I going to do? Go up and pop them in the nose. Like I would never work again in yeah. my mind, you know, or like, what, what am I going to go, go tell a newspaper about it? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I felt completely powerless in that moment. And I can't, and it, it, it even echoed further and resonated further, like reading into what he did to these women. Mm -hmm. And as these trials continue, mm -hmm. It's ter it's terrifying. And it's the silence that you feel like you have to keep so that you can keep your your family, you yeah. can keep your job, you yeah. can keep everything, mm -hmm. you know, copacetic. Yeah. Um, it's the silence. There's this movie that just came out called The Assistant. I, I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm. Um, and it's really about, you don't really see the person, but it is, it's, it's, um, it harkens to the, everything that was going on with the time period of Harvey Weinstein. And it, you really do realize how much it affects everyone. Yeah. And that's what the film's about. It's not just the people who are getting, um, you know, are having it done to their bodies. Mm -hmm. Everyone has to keep quiet. And that's silence. Violence is so deadly yeah. and it really affects your own sense of self and who you are as a person, but you don't have another choice. Mm -hmm. So it, it's such an interesting film because they really do. They really do. You really do see how it affects the, the sum of all parts. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And yeah, I, it, it's terrifying to be mm -hmm. even be on as far away from it as I was. Mm -hmm. I mean, for real, I could still feel the heat and growing up in Hollywood, then it changed everything mm -hmm. for me. And that was just one situation. There were so many moments that in which uh, I recognized that the business was, it was it, that there was there was the beautiful craft of it that I still hold on to, that I'm still chasing that dragon of craft and beauty and art. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, there there was a, a sewer that surrounded it that stunk, and everybody knows about it. That's in the business. Um, people don't talk about it enough. And I think now people are talking about it a lot and that's important and it's good to like, mm -hmm. to, to, to be aware of it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's important for people also in the public eye like you to share the stories like this because mm -hmm. that's the way to make others feel comfortable and be able to tell their stories because I'm sure that's one of a, you know, a million stories that, especially with somebody like Harvey Weinstein is like perpetrated on somebody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important that, you know, I don't, I don't want to make, it's not like about me, like my experience with that. It wasn't about me. It was something that just, I, I hope it didn't come off that way, mm -hmm. but it was more of like, it was something that affected me, uh, in a way that, you know, I felt a connectivity. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not saying that like, you know, he abused me or anything. Um, it was just an experience that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a, like when people, the reason I'm saying this is like people are always like Hollywood knew right. and they did nothing about it. Mm -hmm. And I, and my response to that was, is, is, and, and forever will be like, what was I, what, what really what can supposed one to do? person do? It had yeah. to be like, Ronan Farrow, mm -hmm. like listening to how Ronan tackled it is, is just, it's an anomaly in which he was just able to, he had all the right resources, had the right, uh, Folk, laser focus to do it and he was able to to bring all of this together in like one hyper punch and like take it out mm -hmm. and and he's still doing in my opinion the, the work that needs to be done to keep it from happening ever again he's amazing so, yeah. so let's talk about you are aren't you a big environmentalist i am yeah i am <laughs> i am 
So what can you tell our listeners? Like, what are good ways to start? I mean, I went to um, the Young World, One World Summit in London. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Jane Goodall was talking about how the earth in the next, I think it's like nine years or something, is going to be so warm Mm -hmm. that it's going to have, it's going to be catastrophic to all of us in our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the, what do you think the first steps are for people who want to get more informed when it comes to, you know, global warming and the environment and what they can do now? Because I really believe it's about the leaders and we need to maybe elect the right leaders to help us in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but what can, what can we do? Well, so the leaders are, are, are very important because they make the ultimate decisions, but on a singular standpoint, what's unfortunate is most people don't want to give up their way of life and comfort to make subtle changes. And that could be, you know, replacing light bulbs with, you know, more energy efficient light bulbs. It could be using instead of one time use plastic to do your research on plastic. And the fact that in about, what is it like, I want to say like 20 years, like all men will be sterile because of plastic. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a really interesting Mm thing that you guys should maybe research. Um, so one time use plastic, like there, there's a ton of companies that make, uh, you know, silicone bags for freezer use or for, you know, sous vide or if you're into like keeping stuff in bags or mm-hmm. whatever, using glass ceramic, cause even BPA free stuff still is, mm-hmm. it's still plastic, like plastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, understanding that. And then, um, you know, I, I, I mean, not a, not a lot, not everybody's fortunate enough to be able to buy an electric car, but to start looking into electric vehicles, even though there is an argument that, um, you know, that electricity is still being made by coal, um, <laughs> which is very, very true. And, and, but, uh, there's a lot of ways to become more sustainable through like solar power. Um, there's a lot of ways to be more sustainable in like the way that you eat, um, foods, like limiting your meat consumption. It's okay to like, I'm not against eating meat. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's, it's terrible and factory farming is the worst thing in the world. Um, but, uh, you know, try and eat more plant-based foods, try and, you know, also don't, ever eat refined sugar ever never ever refined sugar explain is... that, that to us because yeah. you were when i met you in germany you were like you're not eating that <laughs> yeah that has sugar in your vitamin yeah so, so please explain yeah. that so i was a huge sweet tooth uh person and, and um i would always always in fact like australia plays a huge part in this actually um Sorry. not not <laughs> not with not with the wildfires which are just almost criminal at this point of like humanity is unaware of how much of, of an imprint it's made in um in the climate that it now has affected an entire continent it's terrible i the australian fires are just abhorrent and the worst thing in the world um but what's scary is that that what had happened to australia should be a lesson and not and not be something that's like oh once we put it out we'll be fine it should be like uh this is like a red flag like if you were dating the world that would be a red flag <laughs> yeah. to like figure something out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, refined sugar is, is a huge, a huge metabolic poison and it's a killer. And there, there's so much, there's so much about diet and fad diets mm-hmm. that people will use in order to justify um, certain behaviors and eating patterns. And America is unfortunately one of these places where not only is it hidden, it's like they take sugar and they slap Gucci on it and make it look like so good. Like they'll be like organic 
raw cane expellent or yeah. like they'll be like de- fruit sugar dexterose yeah or they'll be like ref- uh, like uh, organic beet sugar i'm yeah. like it's i'm like dude, <laughs> sugar, sugar, this sugar, is sugar. sugar so the reason that sugar is so agave. bad agave i remember that agave is poison yeah. um so any kind of refined sugar the reason that sugar is really difficult uh to talk about is because there's two there's two reasons that i have a i always have a, 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 a there's two walls that come up like so the first wall is Oh, well, you can have it in moderation. Anything in moderation is okay. Cancer in moderation. Yeah, like rat poison in moderation is still rat poison. Um, There's so much evidence that what happened, and like, again, like do your own research on this. Don't like me be the, like the bastion of of resource here. Just like any kind of research into this. Uh, Sugar is a very addicting substance. It's more addicting than cocaine or heroin. It's the most addicting drug in the world. And it's added to everything because it's subsidized in the United States. Mm -hmm. So that means that Congress actually protects sugar as a resource. And it's a global like $14.6 billion industry in the United States per year. And since like, I believe the early 1800s, it's been subsidized, meaning that they don't fucking pay taxes. Like they just put it in everything because as an additive it's addictive it makes you want to eat it again it makes you want to eat it more and it could be as simple as putting it in something called ye which is brown sugar and it's like a spice that they put in soups to make you feel like oh i'm comforted it could be as simple as like a grain uh, additive it could be a canola oil it can be in any of these hidden processed foods and used and marketed as organic or healthy the reason that sugar is poison is because it it immediately reduces your immunity 50% every time that you eat it. And when your immune system goes down, you get sick. And if you get sick enough, you are now chronically sick. And then if it's not just acute anymore, it's actually very serious and it leads to so many more issues diabetes is one of them but there's also like everything is linked to cancer every disease is linked. i'm sorry every disease is linked to sugar mm-hmm. cancer is linked to sugar mm-hmm. um it feeds, uh, off, sugar. It feeds yeah. off sugar glucose in your blood and in your liver you naturally create sugar in the foods that you eat and like some foods like carbohydrates like breads like white breads like mm-hmm. immediately become insulin okay. in your body and like your beta cells are like ah this is sugar we're in chaos but what people understand is like if you have a cupcake and you have an apple okay both are roughly between 11 to 16 grams of sugar the apple is going to be way more satiating and delicious to your body if you're not eating cupcakes as your form of nutrient Mm -hmm. or energy because your body processes it as a processed food so you eat the cupcake and you're like boom bang let's go let's go do something let's go out let's i feel great i feel full i feel nutrient rich the problem is that that's chaos that you're feeling that's like throwing like um like newspaper into a fire instead of putting like a big piece of oak on the fire and the apple is a big piece of oak why because it has like pectin and nutrients and things that like add uh, that are, are, are your body, your body like can, can scan it at like a computer and immediately understand how to diversify all of the nutrients. Whereas the cupcake is just an, a quick burn. And what that does in chaos is it not only lowers your immune system, but it's like a, a huge metabolic, like inflammation based system so you go into inflammation that's why people that drink like coca-colas or like add sugar to their coffee they're like i don't know what i'm doing wrong i'm running at the gym i'm going to the gym i can't lose weight like 
belly fat, like all of this, like these fad diets are not central on the problem, which is like very simple science behind sugar and what it does to the body. And like when I was in Australia, I was there at a convention with my friend Tom Hopper, who's an amazing actor. He's in Umbrella Academy. He was in Game of Thrones before it sucked. <laughs> um, he was I, like, I love the writers disclaimer. too, but yeah, yeah, but, but but yeah, disclaimer if you haven't seen it, dragon or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a season eight has dragons. It's too, and, I can't oh god. <laughs> Too much of an event. There are so many ways to Too fix season eight. <laughs> Sorry, I'm 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 just I'm just a bitter fan. Uh, I love Game of Thrones, but anyway, he was in Game of Thrones. He was Black Sails. He did a bunch of stuff. Merlin. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because we were doing this convention, and I met him, and we and he's just like jacked. Like if you look up Tom Hopper, just like look up a just be like Tom Hopper, <laughs> and he's like on the cover of Men's Health, and he's just like just fully jacked. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, I was like, re I'm really into fitness. I'm really into health, and I didn't know that like, you know, in the morning when I woke up, I'd have a croissant with my coffee. I would go and have a cupcake. I'd eat, you know, a bagel with lox and cream cheese and be like, I'm healthy mm -hmm. and I'm fit mm -hmm. and I'm gonna go to the gym. And like my, because my metabolism, because I'm, I, um, you know, there's like ectomorph, mesomorph, there's like different body types mm -hmm. and different body types respond, you know, Pitta versus Varta versus, mm -hmm. you know, there's different things that you respond to. Mm -hmm. So like, I was just like one of those people that could eat a cupcake and go to the gym and not notice it. Um, except I did notice it because I would get sick all the time. And when I was in Australia, fans would bring me Tim Tams and they'd be like, you got to have the Tim Tam slam, <laughs> which is what, like, if you don't know what Vegemite Tim Tams are, toast and some oh, I, Tim love, Tams. I love Vegemite. I'm a, I could eat it. pie with some <laughs> tomato sauce but you know like like tim tams are little chocolate biscuits yeah. covered in, with chocolate and you bite both sides and then you you drink milk or hot it tea out of it delicious <laughs> and they would they were like you try the tim tams the tim tam slime you know and i'd be like so I'd, have, I'd have that and i was eating a box of tim tams and i got really sick and so tom the, the next few days we were off we were going between brisbane and and um sydney and we had a week off and he goes, um, oh, he's like, mate, you have to come to the door. You have to like, let me in. Like, we gotta, we gotta go out. We gotta go get food and we gotta go explore Brisbane and all this stuff. And I'd be like, I was like, dude, I have 103 temperature. I'm so sick. I'm, it must've been like meeting fans and I'm sick. And like, of course that was what it was. But the fact was, is that I was eating sugar. And Jason Momoa was like there too. And before, you know, he was just like handing me his Tim Tams that he got. He's like, I can't, he's like, I can't eat these, man. Here you go. I can't eat these, you know, and he'd crack like a Guinness. No, but I, I, I was just like, I, I was eating all this junk food. And so then Tom said something that like changed my life. And this was in September of 2017. He, he said, I was like, no, man, don't come in. You're going to get sick. And he's like, no, man, I don't get sick. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't get sick? Like, that's just such a foreign, that's like such a ridiculous statement to, mm -hmm. to me because I would get sick on every holiday. Guaranteed. It was always like February mm -hmm. and then November between November and December. And then always in like January or between January and March, I would always get sick every time without fail. And he's like, I never get sick. I haven't been sick for years. And I'm like, why? And he goes, well, I just don't eat sugar. I don't eat processed foods. And I'm like, uh, what? Like, what does that mean? He, and he's like, yeah, like it's, it's obvious. And then I was like, no, that's not possible. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I took three months and I didn't have sugar. I didn't have processed foods. And I haven't been sick one time since September 2017. Some people who also drink a lot, um, mm -hmm. they're always Because that's sugar too. Well, yeah, it's alcohol, yeah. sugar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because your body, it's hard for your body to process that over time. Um, and alcohol sugars, I mean, alcohol is a depressant. Do I don't really like to drink. Sometimes I've you seen know, you drink. <laughs> I have a, you know, if you, you have you know, to drink, what do you drink? In Brussels. Vodka. Vodka, which I think is so such a depressive. I mean, yeah. I feel any, any alcohol is a depressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tequila is an upper. So tequila, I like yeah. tequila. I tequila, like tequila. Yeah. I, but I'm not a. I really am like I like to savor alcohol. Like Ian and Ian and I will sometimes like have a scotch. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an alcoholic. But I um, I I just I just always have found myself like not really being into alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like when people are like, let's go out and drink. Is very rarely will mm-hmm. I crave that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. So you said you kicked the sugar for three months. What were you eating? Like, what are some things that maybe even people at home could like? Mm. Is red meat? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so what? I went through a vegan phase okay. uh, with no sugar. No. Okay. Because uh, it's before. hard to do vegan okay. without sugar. It was. Well, it, it is. It turns into sugar. Correct. A lot of what you're Most eating. of the things. But but there are ways to eat plant based where you're eating so a lot i would have you know a kale some sort of a kale salad or, or chard or arugula mm. with olive oil olive oil is your best friend mm-hmm. if you're doing this a little bit of avocado maybe some egg whites um that's not vegan but uh but i i realized too that like also just if i was going to eat meat i would eat the highest quality meat that i could um, so like if I had a chicken breast, I would make sure it was extremely local and organic and well maintained and it wasn't from a factory farm. And it's difficult to do that in some places in America, mm-hmm. especially when I travel, I've noticed. Um, mm-hmm. but if I'm traveling, I would do, you know, chicken mm-hmm. breast, arugula, mm-hmm. or, you know, some rocket, some form of rocket salad, chard, um, radicchio. Uh, and then, you know, usually like I, I love Takaya Organica in Los Angeles. I'm a huge yeah, Takaya cool. fan. Um, but they, they do bowls that are customized. So I do stuff like that. Um, and what I noticed after three months was not only was I feeling better, mm-hmm. like everything about my life changed. I, mm-hmm. I, I felt like I slept better. Mm-hmm. I wasn't craving. It was so interesting now is after those three months and beyond up until now, if I eat something, I can immediately tell if there's sugar in it, mm-hmm. like secretly. Like if I go to a restaurant and this is ha- this happened a couple of times, like I was in, I was up in uh, like Northern California and I went to this restaurant and my friend's like, you have to try this. This is like such great. These Brussels sprouts are amazing. And I'm like, what's in it? And he's like, glazed in sugar. Yeah, yeah. Death. So right there. They, so the waiter told us that there wasn't sugar in it. Uh, there's no sugar. There's no added anything. It's just olive oil, a little bit of chili sauce and Brussels sprouts. And I was like, there's sugar in this. And he's like, no, no, not at all. And I'm like, get the chef. I'm going to be that guy. I'm pretentiously <laughs> going to be that guy right now. This is like a health concern for me. Get the chef. And the chef comes over and I'm like, is there sugar in this? And he's like, well, uh, there's a little bit of, um, we do like this honey glaze sauce. And I'm like, honey with what and he's like well it's honey whipped with like two scoops of brown sugar <laughs> you're like and i'm sugar like a stick yeah. ah, i knew it but it was like so noticeable to my palate it almost tasted chemical at that mm-hmm. point and um it, it people that have gotten off sugar will agree that it, sugar then becomes almost disgusting like mm-hmm. the the taste of that mm-hmm. and i'm not saying sweet like i love dates I, mm. I have a Vitamix. I make my, my smoothies every day with, uh, you know, blueberry, low sugar berries, like strawberries and, and blueberries. And that's like incredibly satiating. And sometimes if I want the extra sweetness, I just throw in a date. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
eating in place. So you, you know. still do eat sweet food, just not sugar food. C- correct. Like mm-hmm. no processed mm-hmm. foods. Okay. okay. Before you have to leave, yeah. we want to get in some good questions. Right. But yes. What, what is your greatest fear mm. and how do you overcome those types of fears? Mm. Well, so fear, fear is greatest fears. Uh, you know, so recently we lost Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. and it was, it was terrible, uh, for everybody in, in the, in the world, I think, um, for different reasons. Uh, his family, I, I can't even imagine, mm-hmm. uh, going through a loss like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the fear is death so loss so losing people i've gone through extreme loss in my life mm. i've lost you know i've lost a parent i've lost mm. friends i've lost clo- best friends i've lost you know animals i i've experienced loss and every single time i think the fear that comes to me is the recognition that the curriculum of that person spirit thing mm. experience is over the curriculum ended and that it ended for a reason and to try and find reason in that, that's a fear. <laughs> mm-hmm. That there's some sort of a split universe that exists where they didn't leave and that you evolved in another way. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, the fear of the fear of loss is something that all of us deal with on a daily basis. And that could be from like losing a friend or a family member or something in like a horrific way or even in like a totally like mm-hmm. you're, you see it coming way. Mm-hmm. Um, the fear is, is like, how how do you, how to deal with it, how to deal with grief and stuff. Do you fear death? I don't fear death. I, I, I welcome death. <laughs> like a brutal liars thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't fear death. I mean, I ride a motorcycle every day. In fact, on the Which way is, here, I like saw a crash. Saw, my husband saw a guy literally not make it. And it was when you, around the time when you got a motorcycle mm. and I felt bad, I didn't want to say anything, but like I cared about you. And I wanted to say, you know, my husband has been scarred about yeah. what he just saw. Cause it is such a dangerous yeah. form of transportation. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of um, motorcycle crashes, and I've lost friends in motorcycle crashes. I've been present during motorcycle crashes, mm. um, and yet, like there, there may there's something about maybe it's because I kiss my cat and I have toxoplasmosis gonji that <laughs> like that's an actual thing I was just like researching. <laughs> I don't think I have toxo, but um, but most people that have toxoplasmosis are like more thrill seeker people. I don't have toxo. Um, not like Maca- Macaulay Culkin has talked so he talked about it on a Joe, Joe Rogan po- podcast well he had like a stray cat that came in off the streets and like oh. he talked about I don't know go look up the Joe Rogan podcast <laughs> of Macaulay Culkin but I, I don't think I've talked about I think the thing is is that um, going through life and having that I, I have a, such a relationship with motorcycles and like the thr- the thrill of riding it isn't really like the the passion of it it's it's there's like a freeing feeling of it it's not about like death or destruction I don't have a fear of that um, I, I'm, I'm like very, very okay with everything. I'm always trying to be at peace in the present moment. Mm-hmm. So like, if I was to just die, like, I don't know what's going to happen after death. Like everybody's all prepared for this big earthquake to come and like, granted, I have the earthquake kit, but like, <laughs> I do not just fear it. No I don't sugar. really want to no sugar. die. Yeah. If I don't have to die, I'd prefer not to. I would prefer not to die, yeah. obviously, but I'm, but I, um, I'm aware I'm at peace with it yeah yeah so Keegan are you saying you don't necessarily believe in an afterlife Uh, so I don't I don't have any no I don't know 
Um, religion to me has always been a fodder that is fed to the masses to like a uh, like kind of control panic mm-hmm. or control mania because just it's very powerful. It's a very powerful statement to tell somebody, you know, I can't me a human being can't regulate you, but. Something you might not want to do something bad because in that cave over there, you don't want to go, but in that cave over there, there's something that will regulate you and you don't want to go in that cave until you're ready, which is death. But like, I can't regulate it, but there's someone else that you can't see or hear that regulates it. Now, I'm not saying there's no God. I believe hundred percent that there's some sort of a, like harmonic consciousness that lives within all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and consciousness may be, experiencing itself through others almost like a rooted system Mm -hmm. in which we all live the same lives but we go by different names and it continues in like this weird multiverse or even in the same concatenation of like how how we're living here right now Mm -hmm. when we die we may come back as a baby you may your your child your beautiful insanely gorgeous children (laughs) may actually be reincarnations uh, of like other people Mm -hmm. you know what i mean or other things and that's very, very uh, interesting. That's an interesting concept. But religion and believing in an afterlife is because there is no evidence of it mm. um, yet to me until I die or until I experience it. Um, you know, and there's also like a lot of paranormal things that have happened in my life. Like I've seen ghosts. I've stayed in haunted places. So I don't know, man. I mean, there there could be the afterlife could be like really terrifyingly binary and simulation based, in which we like <sighs> we roam the earth <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, in a third, we in a fourth dimension. dimension right? That's terrible. But I mean, maybe I mean, the, I we are possibly in a simulation. Sometimes when I think about things, they just pop up, mm-hmm. um, and that could also have to do with like. I literally thought about you when you texted me. I'm serious no, I know, about I even know. coming on this podcast. I yeah. was like, oh, Keegan would be so great to to talk about everything that he knows. And you texted something about my child. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like we're connected in some way. Yeah. I just feel like we're all sort of, it's it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the universe, whether it's God, whether it's internal, I feel like we're all fighting for the same thing. I feel like the, those Chinese whispers, I say this, you know, um, and we all just got the story a little wrong. Um, but I agree. I don't know if there's like a place that we're all going that is is the ultimate destination. Well, I think, I think right now, not to cut you off, I do, I do think that we are going, we're all like, so that's why like the political divisiveness that's happening right now is so, is so skewed. I, I'm not, ta- I'm not talking politics. Don't worry, people. Not an actor talking <laughs> yeah, politics. Yeah, an just actor talking off. politics again. Just, just, just like, <laughs> th- I do think what's happened is very important, right? Like, because we, um, th- there is this like, Man, anybody over fifty is gonna get real upset. But there is this boomer mentality. <laughs> there is this boomer mentality that happened because of, and and like I respect the war. I I've done a lot of research on World War One and World War Two in the Korean War. My father fought in the Korean War. I'm very aware of the war machine. I get why we go to war. It's very profitable. It creates a, a huge amount of of rapport amongst people. It's togetherness. It's connectivity. Unfortunately, there are other ways to evolve that we haven't dipped into yet as an entire society that would take us to a type one civilization, type two civilization. And that's like political dogma and religion. Dogma is the number one reason why we go to war. It's why we have conflicts. That's why not all religions are the same. There's not one true religion. Unless you're like part of that religion, you believe it or a cult or whatever. Um, 
there is a, a a moment in time that we're at right now where we are like on this like boat where everybody's divided right and it's not it's not split down the middle man it is split in like 25 different ways there are so many variations of opinions that exist right now in the universe in this like origin of consciousness that has essentially started from social media believe it or not in this way that we are able to tap in with our phones we are able to carry with us emotional conversations with multiple people at once te telepathically through our phones right we're texting you know maybe a loved one about something we're also like fighting with another person about something we're disenchanted with someone else and yet having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone in person there there's all this is happening and we don't know what to do with it as a society and we're like trying to to figure it out and what's going to eventually happen is what has always been happening and when you leave someone alone to their own devices most of the time um, and I'm not going to say a healthy individual, but just an individual that takes awareness a bit to the next level has like self-awareness, um, and is able to remove all of this crazy cacophony of noise around them. They become at peace in love and graciousness and th no need or want or desire for anything else. And what has happened is, is that there is a fight right now between the people that want to be that show love mm -hmm. and there are people that are repressing it from and whether or not that's because of coming from a society before where it was repressed and it could never ever be like that we all just like are moving forward into this like loving relationship in humanity of like caring for each other mm -hmm. it's very it's very much coming to that summit and it's going to clash and when it falls apart hopefully it will be rebuilt mm -hmm. in a place of love and connectivity mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> well, with that speech, can, can I ask? Can I ask one little fun, fun, silly one? Yeah. So on the show, I'm pretty little, little liars. <laughs> the two of you, I know you guys shared scenes before. We did. Mm. Did you guys ever smooch on? Yeah, yeah, camera? we kissed. Did we oh, you kiss? Did. Yeah, Tam. Uh, she doesn't we remember. Have. I remember. Did we kiss? Yeah, did you. We kiss? You kissed me. Oh, no. Oh. I didn't I go to kiss you? No, you kissed me. Oh, I kissed you. You don't remember that? Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not I'm not <laughs> no. unmemorable. No, well, you know what? You know what Ian said? He it was said a deleted that, he scene, said that, I think. No, 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 no. I went to kiss you and I slapped you. No, no, no. You oh, pulled yeah, away yeah, and then yeah. I slapped you. Oh, and it was like I filmed from the window. <laughs> I remember that. It was I went filmed to kiss on you. Yeah. And then I pulled away. No, no, you no, no. I did kiss yeah, you. Yeah, you kissed me. I felt like cuz Ian was saying that with Lucy, he like French kissed her yeah. all the time. I was like, I didn't know that people were using Frenching. Were you Frenching Troyan? Like, yeah. What? Oh, the truth comes okay, out. So truth my entire out. career for 20 years, I have not put my tongue in anyone's. And well, I've, wanna, I've wanted I to. Mean, I mean, like, Jesus. Well, because like people need to know this as as Why like, aren't people sticking their tongue down my, my throat? No one has ever done well, that. Well, you know what's funny is my girlfriend asked me the other day. She's like, kiss me like a TV show boyfriend just to see the difference between okay. like actually making out yeah. and versus yeah. TV show kissing. Yes, so TV show kissing is vastly different than movie kissing because oh. movie kissing, you can kind of like show off that you can show the tongue. Right. But like, this is what I've, I've like learned this. Girl, it's missing out. TV show kissing is I'm way more PG. Be well, I don't know if it's, unless it's on yeah. HBO, then like maybe it's not, but like our show, like we showing tongue in it, was like kind of no. icky it would be like no. eating salad it would be unbelievably just just weird uh -huh. but um there were times where like 
Yeah, for, is French kissing just putting your tongue in someone's mouth? Yeah. No one has mm-hmm. ever done that to me in 20 years. <laughs> I have been acting since I was oh, 15 years old. I was going to say like <laughs> in <laughs> life. He's never been French. Kissed. I was like, Sean. <laughs> but like, why has no like no one's ever done that? Am I that mm. like it must be? I've never. No one's ever done that. It might just be the scenes that you're doing too. I think I had some passionate scenes though. <laughs> what? Well, I don't know. I don't maybe know. It's just like people just didn't. Maybe you guys, because you were saying it was like your first big show. Maybe you just didn't know. You're not supposed to put your tongue down. Did you guys like talk about it first or you just started French kissing? I think we were very like, well, you know, Trin and I were very professional. There was never any like funny business. Yeah. It was very much like, it wasn't it's like technical, but yeah. it was, uh, there, there were there were conversations like I would have with her. I'd be like, hey, which is okay. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's why- I that's missed what, out yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I, I mean, Ian, I know Ian used to like do very, very like malicious things though. He would like eat like onion- Oh, garlic kidding? chips oh, and no. stuff before we made out off camera no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no before he like did scenes with lucy i remember he was like no one time way. he was like eating these chips oh. and i'm like ian those are onion chips and he's like oh they are oh well <laughs> then so garlic miss hale is gonna really have a real a real crazy kissing scene oh. in about 15 minutes oh <laughs> and he'd like walk off Goodness. Yeah, yeah yeah i remember <laughs> You know, for me, it was more out of respect for I've been with my husband for almost 14 years, mm. right? So I just thought if I was in that position and he was on set with a woman, mm. I would really ask him not to. Because mm. I feel like there's an intimacy there that is way deeper when mm. you're you, when you're French kissing than when you're just sort of faking it. I mean, actors need to act. You don't yeah. have to use that that next device. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's it's difficult. It's difficult to say. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would... Yeah, it would make me uncomfortable if my if my significant other was French kissing somebody. But if the scene called for it, and now if it didn't call for it, I'd be like, <laughs> "What the fuck? <laughs> what is going on?" Obviously, but um, but I mean, who am I to to really say? I, yeah. I think I always like let the uh, let I would let my significant other be the judge of their own character being their destiny within their career and relationship. But but yeah, okay. yes. Okay, we're gonna do some rapid fire and then okay. you can leave. Okay. Oh my gosh. Troyan or Lucy? Ooh. Well, Troyan. But- <gasps> no, you didn't say that. Well, okay, <laughs> wait. Troyan. But I'm gonna explain myself okay. real quick. Oh lord. Okay, what, what is it? I love Lucy a lot, but I don't know okay. Lucy as well as I know Troyan, okay. and I don't. I, I just have so much fun with Troyan. Okay. I do, but I'm sure if I hung out with Lucy a bunch more, Lucy's been really busy. I don't know. Okay, I haven't seen I get it. it. I get okay. It. Okay. Next one. Huh, how about Troyan or Tamman? Oh, Troyan, I thought you, that's, that wasn't well, on the thing. Uh, wait, what is, is this? Hold on a minute, what is this in context to? Just whatever comes to whatever mind. Whatever comes to yeah. mind. It's like this or this? Yeah, yeah. What are the, what are the, the consequences of the Wait, of we, death. Could do, we could do, we could do Shag, Mary Kill. Shag, Mary Kill, Shag, Mary Kill. Oh no. That's so terrible, because I'm right here. Tamman, Troyan, or Lucy. Lucy. Yeah. I'm Shag gonna Mary get killed. Kill. I'm fucking getting killed. Yeah, you know. know, you know what this is. It's like I'm still you're getting killed. You're a mixer. You're mixing it up. You're starting. Yes. It's gonna start a whole. Oh, Lord. Like Lord. it's all. I know I'm gonna get. It's killed. all laughing. I feel like I'm gonna get killed. We're all laughing and having a great time, <laughs> but then it goes. It goes out into the world, and then I get the answer from you know, yeah. Troyan or Lucy. <laughs> yeah. Of like, hey, ha ha ha, very funny. Well, I want to shag. Who would you shag? I don't. I don't know. I. I, he's like Ian was so easy with these well, questions. But the reason is, is because like, like I know, I know your husbands. I know, I know. Like I, I really love Patrick. I have such a, yeah, yeah. a reverence for him. I yeah. wouldn't want to be like, 
hey, by the way, gonna shag Troyan. Uh, Cause it's like different. It's like- it, I would be honest about it. Uh, so, so tr- tr- wait, yeah. Yeah, yeah, about the boys. Yeah, who would you do? No one ever flirted with me, which is the first, like, <laughs> I, I'm I'm normally like, there's at least someone I get to flirt with. There's not one person who flirted with me. Um, I feel like that would have been helpful. I feel like, that would have been helpful. Well, wait a minute. I feel like, I feel like before I knew you were with Sean, I flirted with you. I would play music for you in my. my I thought you were God. just being nice. And then all of a sudden. I didn't know any better. Sudden, I was like. And then all of a sudden he kid. didn't talk. Well, not that he didn't talk to me, but we like, we used to go to lunch together. Yeah. Wasn't that flirting though? Yeah. But then you just stopped. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck did I do? Well, you would tell we me. Lunch all the time. We would, about your family. Well, I was wait, like listening. And then he just like totally stopped. You, you would, you would go to lunch with me and then i'd be like this is going so great like this is my first show i'm with yeah. this like really like awesome so cool charismatic girl she's like so you were you're like the you're like the britney spears of australia too so i was just like this is so sick you could sing i like learned your song for you oh and then and then we, and then we would we would go to lunch and you'd be like sean and i like hooked up for like eight hours <laughs> and I'd be like, all right. I didn't no know. Ever, I don't know what flirting is. <laughs> no one ever did. It made me sad because everyone had someone well, to flirt with. He was flirting with you. I think, just I didn't think the, pick it up. I think like the definition of flirting is very difficult, right? Like, no, like it's I not like know. you were like, oh, let me take my clothes off. But you were just like, you know, <laughs> you were just trying to get to know. That would me. be a very different like ending to this. No podcast. one ever ever took their clothes off for me. Ronan Farrow would be at the door. He'd be like, <laughs> yeah. Keegan, excuse Keegan, me, let's talk. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I'm glad that. It makes me feel better. Yeah. yeah. At least someone did. Okay. Um, coffee or weed? Oh, man. So I really love coffee. I just got a coffee subscription. But when I was a child, uh-huh. when I was like, it, like, uh, this is probably not a great thing to tell the youth of America, but I was really, really, I was really into weed. Um, like I was into weed in like weird ways though. I was into uh, CBD before it was like so well, yeah, well yeah, known. Yeah. I didn't, I don't like getting high is what I'm trying to say. I don't like psychotropic effects. Mm-hmm. I, I like feeling good, but not being like, Hey man, like saw dudes. I don't like yeah. that feeling. Uh, frying my brain is not fun, but, uh, but yeah, I love coffee. Okay. coffee. So what about, Angelina or Jennifer? Mm. Oh, like with Brad Pitt? Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean like mm-hmm. for me or yeah. for, for no, Brad for Pitt? For you. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who would you shag? Uh, Who would you pick? Man, that's tough. I really love. So shag. recently for the New Year's, uh, uh-huh. Allie and I, my girlfriend Allie and I, we watched the episode All of Friends before it went off Netflix, uh-huh. and we did it. We timed it perfectly so that the last episode where they put the keys in the yeah. bowl, in the, it ended, and then the fireworks went off outside, and it was so magical. Because what was not the most magical of it was that we kissed after we were like Happy New Year, Happy 2020, and then we went to go refresh it, and Friends was off Netflix. <gasps> So, uh, but, but, but what I'm trying to say is Jennifer Aniston. Oh, really? Jenny. Yeah, I love Jennifer Aniston. Okay. Sex or money? Um, whoa. I never would have. <laughs> the first thing that came to mind, the okay. first thing that came to mind was money. 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 Oh, okay. Money, 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 money. Okay. Last one Megan Fox or James Franco? Oh, I love Megan. I love her. I see her all the time. Uh-huh. We have, go to the same kinesiologist. <gasps> Ooh, so <laughs> and we did we did Zeroville uh, together, and she's just so delightful. I do love James though too. James Franco's great, but, um, but Megan, yeah, Megan. 
Well, Keegan, thank you. Oh, I thank feel you like there needs me. to be a part two. We'll probably never see you again because you're Don't like, I'm never that. coming back. <laughs> no, I love on top. No, it was Thank wonderful. you so much for being here and giving us so much information and insight into health and and being a better environmentalist and Harvey Weinstein and <laughs> that you flirted with me back in the day. I should right. have taken those signs. I would have Tamed. been so much happier knowing that no. someone flirted with me no. within eight years. It's all good. So don't don't feel and bad. And always French no. kiss on set. And, and Remember. always French kiss. And always I'm French excited. kiss. I'm excited to stick my tongue down someone's throat oh, man. I'm on set. So. Moving into a progressive forum. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Keegan. Thank you guys. And Keegan, we can always find you on social media because you've got yeah. like a Zillion followers. Well, but it's at Keegan Allen, right? It's it's actually at Keone, so K E E O O N E, and then I have a photography page called uh, At This Foreverland, and uh, yeah, it's called Hollywood Stories and Voices from Foreverland. Um, it's on Amazon, and also my first book that I believe uh, no, the, the, the entire cast. You, I didn't give you my book. Oh, I'll oh. give you. Okay, thank you. A copy of Life, Love, Beauty. <laughs> oh God. Well. You can find us on Women on Top Official and. Women of Top Podcast <laughs> on Facebook. And I'm Tam and Sursuck and Roxy Manning. And we are Women, women on, on Top. top.